This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. Well, welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast. Today is another Ultimate Garage Series, and I'm very excited to have our current guest on, Mark Green. Mark, how are you doing today? Greg, my friend, I'm doing awesome. And uh, it's been a little while because you were a guest on my podcast back in 2018. I think it was December 2018. You were guest number 1193, and I'm over 2,000 now, so talk to a few people i need to have you back you're doing something fun here yeah i know i appreciate it and for our listeners who don't know you are a major influence on the collector car podcast even starting it up a few years ago and you were tremendously helpful and beneficial in giving me some nice tips and i know over the last few years that you've been doing your podcast now you're almost up to how many three thousand people well i've i've gone over two thousand guests i've been doing this for seven years and yeah i i've I think I'm the only five-day-a-week automotive podcaster, but I do five shows a week. And, uh, yeah, I just talk to a lot of what I call inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And, you know, you're one of them. When you called me and was interested in getting into podcasting, I think we had a great talk, and I'm really proud of what you're doing. It's a cool show. You've talked to some great people, and I'm I'm honored to be here. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Now, at what point do you run out of guests that are in the automotive world? <laughs> never, never. You can't. There's too many people. You know, you and I had a great pre-show chat here, and I talked about the fact that I have people coming to me now, which is finally a, you know, a nice situation to be in versus chasing people because trying to fill this, uh, I call it a five-day-a-week dragon, uh, has a voracious appetite. In the early days, it was a challenge for me. But there's so many people related to the automotive sector in so many different ways, and I don't narrow it down. I just my criteria is if you're an inspiring automotive enthusiast, you're probably a good fit for cars. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my mom asked me that too. Aren't you afraid you're going to run out of people? And I said, No. I honestly, there's no way. There, there's too many people. When you think about, I do 250 shows a year, pretty much. Uh, there's a lot more people than that. So uh, 
yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm very uh, fortunate guy to get to talk to so many interesting people. Yeah, yeah, and I was very fortunate in having you on this podcast in the past. Now, the reason I wanted you on again yeah. is because since we last spoke, uh, I've come up with this idea of the ultimate garage where I want car enthusiasts of note, you being one of those, uh, to tell <laughs> me what 10 cars would make it into your ultimate garage. So I always find this fascinating because... You are you're you're knee deep in cars every day, and I know you're a Porsche guy. Yep. I know you have the orange crush in your garage, which I <laughs> I do. I'm guessing might make it onto your list, but yeah, I, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to revisit just to catch up. First off, and to thank you for the way you've inspired me, but then also to kind of find out what are those ten cars that would be in your ultimate garage. So, do you want right. to uh, you want to get started? Yeah, let's get started. You, you, shall I take the uh, the steering wheel and, and turn the key here? Sure. Yep. All right. Well, of course, the first one on my list, and by the way, this was difficult, and I've, I've asked my guests in the past to tell me an ultimate car, and I, until you have to say that back to somebody, it, it's really a challenge. But the first one I have to put my Orange Crush. It's a 1987 Porsche Turbo. I've had it for about 12 years now, I believe. And that car is on the list because back in the 80s, I got married in 84. I've been a car guy my whole life. Always loved Porsche since I was a little kid. There was a guy up the street who had a, a Carrera Speedster, actually, 50s uh, Speedster. That was a Carrera car. I didn't realize at the time how important that was. But he was a bachelor, and he was a surfer, and he used to take me surfing when I was young. We'd stick our boards kind of, be, believe it or not, in the back of that or kind of behind wow. the little bucket <laughs> seats. Yeah, it was cool. And so those cars have always been special. But in the 80s, I just got married. Uh, my wife and I just bought a new house. We had a baby. And so buying a, a new Porsche was not uh, in my plans. But in the 80s, the Turbo was the ultimate supercar, right? Back in the days. Yeah, it was the fastest car, which is surprising today. I think a I think my car could probably be beat by a Toyota today, but, uh, um, you know, it's it's just one of those iconic cars I've always wanted, and mine I affectionately call my Orange Crush because I found it on eBay one night, a Sunday night right before the thing closed, and I landed the thing, and it's a very unique car, one of only three cars painted in this color. It was a paint-to-sample special order car by a dealer in the Midwest in a six-stage metallic pearl orange and I've since owning it, having since owned it, I've learned a lot more about the car. I actually was contacted through my podcast by the son of the guy who owned the dealer that ordered these cars. And he told me the whole story behind it. And he said, when I was in high school, I used to sit in your car in my dad's garage because he held your car back for a while after selling the first two. <laughs> one was a slant nose. One was a sister car to mine. And I've always wanted that car back. And I said, well, you know. It's always for sale for the right price, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so the, the, that's got to start it here because it really goes back to my youth and my wishes and desires. It's an all-original car, never repainted, thank goodness, never damaged, and it looks brand new. It's got 41,000 miles on it. I do drive it a bit, not as much as I should. That's, that's a talk for another time, drive your cars, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do have a question on that. So, I, you know, those have always been known as the widow makers do you yeah. find <laughs> yeah. driving that turbo and when it kicks in as intimidating as we've been led to believe on all these different articles over the years no i don't but here's why uh, i'm not a crazy driver I, maybe i'm more mature now 
than in my my youth. But you know, the Porsches, the older Porsches, have always been tail happy, uh, oversteer uh, queens, if you will, if you're not careful. So the thing with the turbo is, yeah, it it does do that. I had, I let my son drive it when we first got it. He was a teenager then, and. I said, okay, we're going to go somewhere where there's nobody around. It's a straightaway, and I want to show you what turbo lag's all about. And so we started, you know, we took off, and he punched it, and he goes, whoa. And I'm sitting there counting in my head, 1,001, 1,002. <laughs> and then then the turbo kicks in, and he's like, whoa, what happened? And I said, well, that's turbo lag. Imagine doing that in the middle of a corner. Oh, my God. And, yeah. you know, so unless you're skilled. So it can do it, but. Again, you have to think about the 80s and what was available then and the kinds of sports cars and street cars that were available. So you just have to be careful. It's like anything. I tell you, I've I've had more, uh, let's say, loop-de-loops in my E46 M3 after turning the traction control off uh, because that car has got a lot of torque. You hit the sport button, and the back end can come around pretty quick on that car too if you're not careful. Uh, especially in a roundabout, which we have here in the rain. Oh, right. Don't yeah. do that. Don't do that, kids. <laughs> that will not be good. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. but uh, yeah, so it's that, that's got to start the list just because it's in my garage and it's my baby and I use it a lot with uh, social media and everyone who knows me knows about my orange crush. So right. yeah, I just yeah. wish I, I wish I knew where the other two cars were. I used to know where they were, but they've disappeared. They're probably hiding in collections somewhere. So if you've got the... The sister cars to Orange Crush, reach out to me. I'd love to connect with you. Again, one's yeah. a slant nose, which is really rare. So Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Not really my favorites, though, but uh, unless you're talking about a 935 race car, then I'll take us. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not a huge slant nose fan myself, but yeah, 935, yeah. that would work. I think they're a little, they're a little Miami Vice gold chain kind of cars for me but uh nothing against them i mean you know they are what they are but uh i think a proper slant nose is a, a 935 race car yeah i would agree on that all right well what's next on your list number two okay this is gonna probably uh shake you up a little bit or maybe some followers i've always been a diehard purist when it comes to my collector cars in the past they have to be as they were from the factory i don't like modifying stuff i've changed my mind and here <laughs> And I've changed my mind a lot here, and you're going to hear this repeatedly in our show today. My next one would be a 1958 Speedster. I was born in 58, so that year's, you know, kind of special to me. And I would want an outlaw built by either Rod Emery or John Wilhoyt. Now, I know both those guys. They've been guests. They're friends. I've been to their facilities. I've driven their outlaw built cars, and I will never – I've always wanted a 356. I would never buy a 356 now that's not – an Emery or Wilhoy build. Why bother? It's, they're too slow. They're too boring. These guys, <laughs> these guys know how to do it. Of course, Speedsters goes back to my story about the guy who lived up the street with the Speedster. So that would be n- car number two, the 58 Speedster, car I've always wanted. They become unobtainably priced. But having John or, or Rod Emery build me one to my specs, my color, yeah. There you go. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great. And they're works of art. I mean, they're absolutely gorgeous. And they really go oh. through them the right way. You know, they start yeah. at the chassis, you know, and they go up from there. So It's incredible. Right. Yeah, and they're fun to drive. Really fun. Yeah, so now I, I do have a question. I didn't notice this before, but what's the number three car 
Because you say, go over number three. That one's like, going to be a little confused. Three, <laughs> okay, number three is the same thing, but in a coupe. All right, so, so you're all about the Wilhoids. <laughs> well, all about John and Rod. Yeah, so maybe what I would do is have Rod build me a Speedster and John build me a coupe. Because I was down at John's place and I, a couple years ago, 2019, I did 13 episodes of my own TV show. And we filmed at their facilities, and those episodes never aired because COVID killed killed the TV show. Working on a way to bring that back. But I got to drive both uh, an Emery Speedster, Outlaw Speedster, and a Wilhoit Coupe. And the Coupe was a car that I saw at the uh, Concours on the Avenue uh, a couple years ago. It was a beautiful factory orange color and i said god i'd love to have one of these and he goes well the guy i built it for will never never sell it well when i was at john's place the car was there and i said there's my car and he goes yeah and he sold it it's going oh, to no. denmark <laughs> yeah it's going to denmark i think they sold it for three hundred twenty thousand dollars or something so i said well okay i probably not what i'm going to spend on a 356 but he let me drive it and it was like oh my gosh so yeah so Matching Speedster and Coupe, different colors, of course. Got to mix it up. But one by Rod, one by John. Oh, that's awesome. That's really great. And I know you're a Porsche guy, but I can't imagine there's another Porsche on the list. Is of there? course there is. Come on. I think there's actually two more. But the next one is serious, and that would be Singer, Porsche Reimagine uh, car that Rob Dickinson's would build for me. I have a, you know, Rob's been a guest on my show a few times. I've seen singers. I got to drive one long ago when they first came out. And I told him, you know, I, I don't buy lottery tickets as a pretty much ever. Once in a while, if I walk by, I'll throw a buck in the machine and buy one. My son says the lottery is a tax on the stupid, which I believe. <laughs> and, uh, but I always write a word on the back of that ticket, and that word is singer. Ah, there you go. Because I'd have to win the lottery to buy one of those because I, you know, I'd have to seriously put a dent in my investment accounts to pay what his cars are demanding these days. Or even his cars are now being resold for million dollars plus. Right. So, yeah. you know, incredible. But the build quality and what he does and the fact that you could have an old long hood Porsche built exactly the way you want but be able to drive better, be faster, and have it everything the way you want it yeah a singer so you see the trend happening here a little bit <laughs> with with cars that are not purest cars which people have known me my whole life they're probably going what happened to mark is that uh <laughs> so i have to ask this because i'm experiencing the same thing is that just an aspect of getting older and you want more of the creature comforts uh it's a combination but it's better cars you know the thing about old cars uh, nothing against them. I love them. Everybody knows that. But you build up this fantasy for this car you've always wanted. You get to a point in your life where you can afford it, and you go and drive it. And we've been dumbed down. Cars are so good today. They're they're so good that we drive these old things, and we go, wow, this is kind of rough. <laughs> you know, it's not very fast. It doesn't handle. Like the first time I drove a 250 short wheelbase Ferrari, the guy even said, he goes, now – when we're not going fast, you're not going to like this. It drives like a truck. And, yeah, it did. Now, once you got going, it was a whole different deal. And that V12, you know, magic. Right. And we're going to be talking We're going to be talking about one of those in this list here. But, yeah, I think that's it. But, you know, did you just call me old, Greg? Is that, is that what I heard? Um, wiser. <laughs> wiser. That's there what I meant you to go. Say. Sure. Thank you, my friend. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, speaking about Wiser, what's the next car on your list? It's not okay. something that's been reimaged, as far as I can. No, tell. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna contradict everything I said. <laughs> so your listeners are gonna go, okay, Mr. Green is a flake. Uh, Jaguar XKE, uh, first series Roadster. Um, the car that started it all for me was the Jaguar XKE. When I was a little boy, my dad, really my dad's car started. He had a 49 MGTC. And I loved riding in that car. And he drove me to the uh, the hardware store, I think. We went to buy something. And they had the first little display of Matchbox cars sitting there. This is early 60s when Matchbox came to the U.S. And and he said, hey, I'll buy you a car. And I picked out a red Jaguar. And that was a coupe. They didn't have a convertible, so I picked out the coupe. And my dad had a friend who he'd bought the Jaguar, or his TC from, who had a Jaguar. And I remember seeing that car. And I still had that little toy today sits on my desk and so that has to be one and it's been a long time since i've driven an xke uh i had a customer i had a detailing business in high school he had a 72 v12 and i used to ride my bike down to the south end of the mission beach boardwalk and drive his car back to la jolla where i lived and detailed it oh i was felt now it, it was the later series so you know, V12 was great, but I, I like the old ones just because I don't like the bumpers on the later cars. But got to be an XKE in the in the garage. Yeah, and that's the car that Enzo Ferrari famously declared one of the most beautiful designs ever, correct? So they say. So they say. Yeah, that's the, uh, you know, the legend as it's come down. And I, I think he was right. I mean, it was there's nothing else like an XKE. And even if you go back to the D-types and C-types, which were the predecessors of that vehicle— the XKE just was just so elegant. And when you look at it now, it's a tiny little car. Mm-hmm. It's not a very, well, my turbo is tiny compared to new Porsches. You know, right. <laughs> everything has gotten bigger, all of us and everything else. So, Yeah, well, so, uh, speaking about Enzo, why don't you tell us a little bit about your next car, which I find really fascinating because I know the exact car you're talking about. Yeah, okay, now we're going back to what I spoke about before. The Ferrari Dino 246, I had a customer, Sam Salemi, when I was a kid, and when I turned 16, he let me drive his Dino back to my house to detail it. It was actually metallic purple, kind of a purple lavender color, which was painted at the factory because his car was originally owned by Cher, the singer. Oh, wow, yep. There was a a plaque on the dash that said, this car was built by Enzo Ferrari for Cher. And that car, it had wire wheels. It was a little gaudy, now much a collectible. But he eventually had it all taken apart and painted red. He couldn't stand the color anymore. But that car is so beautiful. And like many people, we all should have bought one back when they were forty, fifty grand. Now they're hundreds of thousands of dollars. But they're just beautiful. Not fast, but kind of just a little go-kart. I loved driving that car. I'd always drive the long way back to my house. <laughs> uh, when I brought it home to detail it. and But I, there's a twist to this. I want it done like David Lee's Monza 3.6 V8 Evo. That's a car that David had built through um, Andy Cohen, who we lost a few years ago. Andy was the founder of Beverly Hills Motoring Accessories. His son runs a company now. And he helped David get this car built. I got to see it and sit in it. I never got a ride in it. I was going to during car week, the year that uh, he had it at the quail, but it's just cool. And you can go out there and watch YouTube videos about it to put that 3.6 V8 
in that car instead of the 2.4 Dino motor. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get the Dino, you get the looks, but you get the power. And of course, David Lee, I mean, he's got an incredible collection of cars. So uh, why not? Now there's purists that would go blasphemy. What'd you do that for? But you know what? I would. Right. <laughs> it's only right. a million bucks, right? That's yeah. all. <laughs> it is gorgeous. Yeah. I saw that first. Jay Leno did a special on it. And yeah. uh, that's when I saw it first, and that is really beautiful. The the slightly larger wheels kind of threw me off a little bit, but at least they're stock. Looking. Yeah, I yeah I'm not. That's the one thing about the car. I don't like old cars with big wheels, but rims that are oversized. But I, it's just it probably handles better with those, you know, bigger rubber on it and stuff. So there you go. Yeah. I can, so see, I'm back. I'm back to my trend here. Yeah, <laughs> Greg. I I could live with it. I would make do. <laughs> you think so? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and the next car on your list is a big-time Ferrari that you already mentioned a little bit, so tell us about it. Yeah. 62, 250 short wheelbase for Lynetta, but I would want, okay, I'm going to shake some heads again, GTO Engineering. I've had those guys on my podcast. I would want the car done by them, and there's a there's a YouTube show out there with a guy driving their revive, what they call their revival, 250 SWB revival. Again, same kind of concept, taking that car, but making it much more drivable, handle way better, faster, everything improved, but you still have that beautiful design, the feelings, the leather, you know, they don't hot rod it. I don't, I don't like those kind of cars turned into hot rods or resto rods or whatever you would call them. But yeah, that, I love that look, and I got to drive one at the Cavallino event. I ran into a guy who was a childhood friend of a good friend of mine here in Gig Harbor, and he said, hey, uh, he's going to be there. Walk up to him. Tell him you know me, and I, I we were talking about the guy's car. He's had it since college, I think, and I said, I've always wanted to go for a ride. Would you take me for a ride? And he said, no, nah, I don't take people for rides, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a jerky thing to say. He goes, but I'll let you drive it, and he threw me the keys. And I got to drive it, and it was just like – and then that afternoon, I went back to the hotel, the Breakers Hotel where I was staying, and there was a guy that pulled up who had seen me at the track driving that car, and I told him the story, and he goes, well, take mine for a drive. Oh, my and goodness. And he said, come back and leave it with the valet. I'll be at the bar. I'll buy you a drink. So I got to drive two in one day. Oh, it was my incredible. Goodness. That's yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the guy, the guy didn't even know me. So I – yeah, and I, I took a friend of mine that was with at the time, and he goes, how'd you get this car? And I go – Guy just threw me the keys. So what What a day. That's yeah. the biggest, one of the biggest challenges about coming up with your top 10 list is how many have you actually driven? And right. uh, you've been fortunate to drive some. Because there's some I would say, oh, I got to have a Duesenberg SJ. Then I actually drive one. I'm like, I don't know if I really, you know. Yeah, it's a totally different yeah, thing. Beautiful yeah. car, but tough, yeah. And the next one on my list is uh, what I've wanted forever, Porsche 550 Spider. That one would be stock. You know, it would be the way it was properly set up to race. Um, got to drive a real one once. And again, compared to today and a lot of cars, not super fast. But that car to me is just beautiful. I had a Beck Spider that John Wilhoyt actually built. So it was much better than a standard Beck. It had a Porsche Speedster engine. Uh, had been Everything had been done to a Wilhoyt level actually drove that car all the way from John Wilhoyt's shop in Long Beach back to Gig Harbor with my son, who was eight at the time. Uh, Four-day trip, 1,500 miles, no top, no heater, no radio. Delightful, delightful memory. 
My son's never forgiven me for something. I was about to car. ask you if your son has forgiven you yet. <laughs> no, not yet. No, he still reminds me. He was here for Christmas for three weeks, and he just, Dad, why'd you do that? I'm like, Sorry, son. Well, you've got a good job. You can go buy one. In fact, that car came back to me. The The guy I sold it to was a very elderly man. He'd become very old, and he wanted to sell it back, but he, he wanted too much money. And I, I kind of have a rule when it comes to cars. It's kind of like old girlfriends. The memory's better than going back. <laughs> right, now, right. I couldn't do that now because I've been married 37 years and I'd like to stay married for a long time longer. But yeah, so it's. I think the memory's better left in the memory vault because uh, going back, you know, I don't know, maybe because it's been tainted by the, the guy who owned it or something. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Well, real 550 you, spider. Yeah, I bet your son will forgive you with that if you get a real 550 spider. Right? I think he would. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he continues to do so well he can buy one himself. So That's that's right. Let me drive his car. We're down to the final two. Now, I'm, I'm familiar with this next car, but not the version you picked. So tell us about it. Yeah, the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. Now, I'm going to butcher this name, Yulanot Coupe. And sorry if I messed that up, but this is a car I saw when I was at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Museum in Stuttgart. If you've never been, you got to go. It's the most incredible. I've been to a lot of car museums around the world because I used to travel a lot uh, abroad. But this car, you know, the, the 300 SL, of, when I talk to people on my podcast, and I used to ask a question of what's your ultimate car that – you could drive the 300 SL, the coupe, the the going. Many people pick, and many people who own them say they're just wonderful. I've driven one. They don't drive like an old car. They're absolutely wonderful for touring. They're robust. They're bulletproof. They've got power. They look great. This car was a special car. I believe there's two of them, and they were built specifically for racing. Now, since I used to race vintage cars, I love vintage race cars. This car just has a look to it, what I call a bulldog look. That's why I like the turbo I have. That's why I like my e, E46 M3. I like cars that have kind of a staunch to them. Um, yeah, I recently had Sir Mix-a-Lot, Anthony Ray, on my podcast, and you know he's famous for the uh, baby got back, and I was joking about, yeah, my turbo's got back. It's got, it's got a nice rear end. It's got a haunches to it. This car has that feel for me. It's a little bit of an outlier on my list, but it's just so beautiful. And I really I really went back and forth between this and the Lamborghini Miura SV. And honestly, if you put them both in front of me and said, right now you have to pick, I might go for the Lamborghini because it's just – see how I got that number 11 car in there? It might just <laughs> – it might just get picked over that, that uh, coupe because, you know, it's a race car, so it's terribly uncomfortable on the roads, I'm sure, but – you just got to love the looks. So, you know, you, your folks can go out there, look it up, U-H-L-E-N-H-A-U-T. Again, I believe the factory has both of them. It's just wonderful. One I think they take out and exhibit and drive, and one just sits there, but it's really, really special. But go to the, go to the museum, Mercedes-Benz Museum in Stuttgart. Yeah. Delightful. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. I'll definitely look that car up when I visit, so that's really cool. Yeah. There you All go. Right. Yeah. We're on to your last car, and you, you mentioned the Lamborghini SV, which did not make the list, but looks like we have one that did. Well, it's, I'm still kind of torn here because the SV, the Mira, is just uh, – I'm a design guy. I've been a designer. That's what I've done all my life. I love aesthetics, and that SV is so beautiful. 
But this car is a car that came out when I was in high school. I graduated from high school in 76. The car is a 1976 Lamborghini Countach LP400 Periscopo. That car just kind of blew everybody away. You know, you look at it in the 70s and you go, what? What is going You know, I mean, it's so nuts. The challenge, of course, with anyone who's ever driven one or been in one, they're horrible to drive. I've talked to many people that own them. Not comfortable, can't see out of the back, super hot, windows don't roll down, I, you know, just little slits. And But that car, that version, I don't like the later versions as much. They just started adding things to them. And when I was at the Lamborghini factory, they have a museum there, and they have a bunch of their Countaches, all the evolutions. And they have the first one sitting there, and you just go, you know what, you should have stopped. Now, I'm probably going to upset some people by that comment, but <laughs> but it's just so clean. And the lady who gave me the tour there told me the story about where the name came from and the fact that the car they had there, the first one, which was green, was originally red, actually, because Ferruccio was trying to take the car to different car shows and didn't want people to know only one existed, so he would repaint them. That was a trick Carol Shelby did with his early Cobras. So, yeah, it's just so cool. To look at. I mean, I'd park it next to that 300 SLR and just grin from ear to ear. It's just wonderful. Yeah, they're great. And I actually, I'm okay with the later ones because that was actually the first supercar I ever saw in person was like a 1983. And it had the extra, not only the spoiler on the back, but it had the aftermarket spoiler on the front nose, which I know drives yeah. some people crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'd be okay with that. But no, I really like well, the purity of your design, the LP400. It's all about... It's all about our youth, and that's the thing that yeah. comes back over and over with all the people I speak with is we love to relive our youth, and that's why you see this dynamic happening in auction, you know, with auctions there with your Sotheby's friends and then others that people are buying what they wish they could have had. And if you look at this list of cars we just went through, these are cars that now some of them are from the 50s, and I was a little tiny baby then, but these are cars that I – looked at and saw i had friends parents who had them i remember I, there was a guy in la jolla a doctor who bought the first countach and would drive it through town once in a while and i just stopped my bicycle and oh my gosh and i one time i chased him to try to <laughs> find out where he parked so i could look at it and he took off and he was long gone but it's all about our youth reliving our youth and having fun but i think at this point in my life all these uh these kind of reimagined cars enables me to have more fun with those youthful memories. So that's why my list may be a little bizarre for some of my close friends to go, what happened to you, Mark? You changed. But, you know, if we don't change and evolve as we grow, it can get a little boring, right? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And now to close this out, one thing I've done before, and I don't know if you've recovered from it, but I do play a little game called Keep, Cash, and Crush. Yeah, uh, you, you did a stellar that, job. That, cr <laughs> that crush yeah. job is. Oh, you're still doing that? You're so mean. I am mean, and actually, this one's really mean because I'm picking three cars from your list. Okay. What? I know. Oh I know. my! But this will okay. be a great insight into the way your mind thinks. Okay. Okay. So if you have a trouble, if you have trouble crushing one, just say one, two, and three. How about that? And then I'll crush number three. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. all right. So the three cars I'm picking for you now, you have to pick one to keep forever, one to cash in, and one to crush. I am going to pick the Singer Porsche. That's one of the cars. 
Okay. The next car is the 1976 Lamborghini Countach we just talked about. So purity of design okay. and performance. And then the third car is that Ferrari Dino. So I did put two kind of re-imaged cars, reimagined cars on the list okay. here. And then one pure one. So which car would you keep forever? Which car would you cash in? And then which one would you send to the crusher? Interesting. Oh, God, the cash in part is the tough one, I think. Uh, well, the cr- it's all hard. Gosh, um, Greg, you're a painful guy. Um, <laughs> let's see here. So, okay, I got to keep the singer because mm. it's a driver. And, and that's why. It's a driver. I'll drive it. You know, at this point in my life, I've saved far too many cars for the next guy. And my wife has heard me say it as I've handed the keys over to someone of all the cars I've had and he's driven it away. I've looked at her and said, why did I save that for him? Why didn't I drive it more? Why didn't I enjoy it? I still suffer from that a little bit with the orange crush because it's become valuable and it's so rare. But so I'd keep the singer because I would drive it even in the rain up here. I would drive it. So that's my, that's my keeper. Which is the next one you want? You want to, are we saving the crush for the... Yeah, uh, so how about cash in? Which one would you cash in? Or you could just go straight to which one you would crush and why. No, no, I don't want to do that next. I want to do the... <laughs> yeah. So I would cash in the Lamborghini because, you know, I'm a, I think, financially smart guy. That's going to be worth some dough. And there's no way I could crush an original Lamborghini Countach LP 400 Periscopo. I just couldn't couldn't live with myself. So you know what's next then, right? Yeah, I'll say it for you. You're going to crush the Ferrari Dino made by David Lee. That's the one you... I won't well, tell David. No, don't tell him, but here's why. Um, it's not a pure car, and the idea of crushing a pure car, can't do it. You, you just can't do it. They only made so many. That would just be blasphemy. I mean, you you get your collector car guy card pulled by everybody you've ever ever known so that car since it was reimagined it was not butchered but it was redone yeah and it's not a car i would probably because i'm a porsche guy i wouldn't drive it every day like i would the singer um because the singer is just way faster way better okay no that's fair probably cooler That wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. I guess devil's advocate, I would say there's only one re well, there's only one of those Ferrari Dinos. There's you know a couple hundred of the Singers. Just devil's advocate. Yeah, but you could, well, but you could make another Dino. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now they made a lot more Dinos than Countaches, so there's a lot of them out there. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I know it's a it's a weird logic thing, but you're the one that came up with the rules of the silly game. (laughs) That's true. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. What's the best way for our listeners to listen to your podcast and learn more about Mark Green and Cars Yeah? Oh, thank you. Very easy. Just go to carsyeah.com. I've got a website. All 2,000-plus guest shows are listed there. You can find me on virtually every mobile podcast app. I think I'm on about 36 of them now. Follow me on social media. I've got you know all the social media channels out there, including some of the new ones that have popped up these days. And if you would like to get my blog um, or be, let's see, put your name in the hat for some of my giveaways. I give away a lot of my guest books. You can go to my site and click on the free book button, and I'll send you my filler up book. It's a cool ebook that I created, and your name will be on the list. 
Uh, I promise I won't inundate you with emails. Uh, yeah, those are all the ways to find me. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. If you want to reach out to me, just go there and you know shoot me an email, whatever. I'm I'm available. I like talking to people. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Mark. Greg, this was great. Keep doing what you're doing. Love your show. Uh, Awesome job, buddy. Real proud of you. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.